Hey, man. Hey, dude. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going <laughs> to... What do you got going on there? Eating some Ben and Jerry's. Yeah? What's the flavor? The Tonight Dough. The, t- the Tonight Dough. Uh, what is the description of that particular flavor? Caramel and chocolate ice creams. It's plural. <laughs> With chocolate cookie swirls. Gobs of chocolate chip cookie dough and peanut butter, <laughs> peanut butter cookie dough, and even, they forgot the brownies. But there's brownies in here too. I don't even know what's going on right now. <laughs> I already lost track. We stopped to get some cigarettes. We did, <laughs> and he came back with a bag full of goodies and some ice cream. Lots of goodies, which I will not be partaking in any of that. Lots of goodies. So I want to get to the topic that I really wanted to talk about before the last episode or on the last episode uh, and that is load development I have a lot of people asking me since I build custom bolt guns uh, what is my load development process and what's my rifle break-in process we're going to segregate those into two separate conversations um, they'll both be probably really short we can just jam them into one episode <laughs> but just in case but just in case they take longer than we anticipate, I am going to just go out there, go out on a limb and say that we're going to break it into two episodes. It could um, be. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you have a, a set process you use? Like, and has it changed over the... Let me ask all these questions all at once before you start answering. <laughs> do you have a set process you use? Has it changed over the years? Have you put a lot of focus on it? Do you spend a lot of time on it? Um, like all the stuff that people stress out about like is is it a real thing is is load development this like big complex thing that you worry about is that the end of them yeah well, that's just a few <laughs> we'll come up um, with some more uh, okay so i don't ha- let me see if i can get these in order <laughs> do i have a set process yes is it the same no has it changed every day? Like, all, like literally almost every season for the last seven, eight years that I've been shooting, not competitively, competitively last three years, it's changed. I, I don't know how many times I keep doubling back on myself thinking I'm doing something wrong or right or different or <laughs> do it better. And then how much time do I put on it? Like, used to be all I would do, and now it's it's very different. So let's, like, rewind way. back to episode one of the podcast. I'm not sure if you remember that far back, but... But that was where we talked about when we met and first impressions and, and all that, you know, storming, Norman forming type nonsense. And I remember you posting, like, you know, the typical, okay, I just put together a group that's sub court. What are you doing? I'm microphoning. <laughs> I just put together a sub, like, point two group. I'm ready for the weekend. I still that, do that. Yeah, well. But a little yeah. differently. Now yeah, it's, it's just a normal. lot less effort. Now it's just normal. I mean, a bad yeah. group's like point two. Yeah. Maybe so, maybe point one is a bad group. Yeah. So I see For a 10, lot of people. Not and, 10 and, or 15 shots, point one. <laughs> I'm not a group posting guy. Like, I will do it once in a while just to share that, yes, I'm, I, I'm still alive. And, uh, I need and to I clarify, have, that's a yeah. complete and total joke. <laughs> point one, 15 shots. Yeah. Nah, that's joke, not going to happen. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do post groups once in a while, and it's just so people know that I do exist, and and, <laughs> and things like 
our it's a confirmation our, of life. Yeah, and, and things are operating as normal. Um, but it is not something I stress about. And when I, you know, get to this point in this episode where I share my low development, you're like, ah, I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I subscribe to that. Well, it doesn't really matter to me um, because there's so it's so it's so freeing to not have to worry about getting this point one point two group and know that your rifle is happy and know that you know most of it is just what i'm doing to control that rifle and and uh you know it's it's much it's much less that i have to be concerned about and know that it's it's more about building a good position and and pressing the trigger and following through and watching where my bullet lands because the group sizes are bigger than everybody posts. I don't care who posts the group. It's yep. always bigger than whatever you see on Facebook. That's uh, a fact. Groups are always bigger in person than in pictures. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we can go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, um, oh, man. That, I think we much. need to take a different turn on this. Yeah. And we need to start somewhere else. Well, you control it We need to it, rewind then. slightly and go three or four years ago and describe... Let's just compare and contrast because oh we need God. to start with where we were with just all the stuff you would do in order to change. Oh, there we go. Now my audio is probably in the right spot because I yeah. was all the things you used to do three years ago in order to go from new barrel to I think I got my load and contrast that with now because the first part will take 15 minutes and then now we'll take 15 to 20 seconds yeah. a minute. Yeah, so let's let's just say, it, let's be honest. Like when you first started into precision rifle, your first caliber, what real like competitive? What was that? Six XC, six five Creed, six five Creed, and mine was a six five by forty seven. So very comparable, very similar calibers, using very similar charge weights, very similar powders. Both I was shooting one forty hybrids. You were shooting, I think, one forty ELDMs. Uh, very first, you, yeah. You know, when you started ADMs. and you realized that, you know, you were better off with the 140. Yep. <laughs> and this ice cream is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but, yes, I was 140 ELDMs. Yeah, I'm not going to There's yeah, there's some left. Stop trying to feed me a bite of that ice it's cream. So I'm not going to do it's, it. No. It's, so, it's so dense, it's bending the spoon <laughs> downward. All right, back on track. Okay, so, <clears throat> so I was fortunate enough to shoot one of the Lord's calibers, which was 65 by 47. Just so it can be clear. The levity with which I'm describing this ice cream in this episode, it generally describes how I reload nowadays. <laughs> okay. What's the parallel? A, I don't take it very seriously. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. No, let's go back to the beginning. Okay, yeah, so, beginning. So 6.5 by 47 for me was pretty damn easy. So um, Jeremy Swanee got me hooked up with a Bart line barrel and a Defiance. Um, it was a Deviant Tactical. And it was in 6.5 by 47, chambered by Francis Cool, does great work. And, you know, he said, you got to shoot the 140 hybrids. Obviously, the pool of brass is awesome. Um, so I put that combination together. And this is just off the top of my head. I think it was 37.2 grains of Varget. Do not quote me on that. Does that sound in the ballpark? Use at your own peril. Yeah, use at your own peril. This is not me recommending that. Do this not is... use it at your own peril. Do I, not use it at all. I have not shot that round in a couple of years now. Um, but this is just the, the stuff that rattles around in my brain. So, so I put that together, and you know, I tried the Saturday method of um, and, and Scott. I met Scott at multiple matches and shot with him at the Hornady PRC. And man, he, we can go off on a tangent of what Scott has provided to the 
the precision rifle world and all the knowledge and, yeah. and stuff that he has shared and selflessly tried to make sure that everyone's on the right track dude i, I love scott he is he's a good uh, dude he is super fun to hang out with super fun super helpful and uh it's a very positive experience hanging around that guy so um, I got to learn a little bit about elevation, elevated shooting and angles shooting from him at the Hornet PRC, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, so the, the, the Saturday method that I was introduced uh, to was, I think that a lot of you will, will have heard of this, where you shoot one round at a different powder charge, say a tenth grain increments or two tenths grain increments, and then you record the velocity, and then you look for the plateaus or flat, st- flat, flat spots in the velocity, and that's where you want to really land and, and focus and hone in on your efforts because those are probably where the harmonic nodes are for the barrel. So, have you clarify where the speed, <coughs> where the speeds are effectively the same across a large sample of charges, so that yep. you theoretically have low SDs and you have a charge that doesn't change in velocity across you know a wide band of charges yep so your velocity may change only five to ten feet per second across five six tenths of a grain of powder or and some number but yeah. less than everywhere else around it is yep. the idea yep so if you plotted it on an xy chart where the x is the charge weight and the y is the velocity and you see flat spots where um, adding powder doesn't really change the velocity much and that is the happy spot or node for the barrel um, so I tried that and that definitely worked in the 6 5 by 47 for me um, it was in that like I said somewhere around 37 grains of Varget and underneath a 140 hybrid and I don't even remember what I was jumping at that time frame maybe uh, 20 thousandths or something like that and um, that shot amazing so I uh, I don't know what your experience was with Sick Five Creed, but man, I I felt like that that I could do no wrong with the 140 hybrids in this in the Six Five by 47. <laughs> do you have a, a full mouth of ice cream? That was a huge brownie bite. Um, a Six Five Creed was it was easy and hard at the same time. I mean, 140 it was you know 40 to 42 grains of H4350. My first rifle was a Howa 1500, my first 6.5 anyway. And it was like 42 to 43 grains because the chambers were big. The cases were hornady. They had more case capacity, thinner walls. <clears throat> so all said and done, you could push them, not saying it was good to push them harder, but you really didn't get the same amount of pressure that you saw on like a tighter uh, or more durable case. So I'm trying to get closer to the mic now so that I'm in the proper position. You're good. Uh, so my experience from that was, you know, 42, 43 grains, and then I switched over to a custom rifle, uh, Area 419, built me my first, you know, area full four, custom. 419, Area 419. Yeah, I'm going to have to... We got corrected Craig's, by Craig. Craig is going to just come down like Thor's hammer on me <laughs> next time he hears this. Uh, so Area 419. You got it. Three digits, not two. Um, they built me my first custom rifle, and I didn't really know what from Adam, but it was really cool to work with them because the, they took the time, specifically Craig took the time to answer some questions that I had and I mean you had questions I had no I never (laughs) had questions um but he took a couple of phone calls with me and kind of basically just gave me the ability to have a confident purchase of the most expensive rifle I had ever bought at that point and 
that decision, he's like, yeah, we can have it in like three or four weeks. And we couple all the other stuff with the fact that it was going to be literally months faster than anyone else. I'm like, done, tomorrow, let's go. And I ended up buying two, like within a month of each other. One was a 223, one was the 6.5. And the 6.5 was half to three quarter minute at worst, you know, out of the box. And it stayed there and I shot well with it. And it was pretty easy to develop for. My Hawas were a little bit more finicky, but I got those to shoot around half or so as well with some time. But, uh, you know, in retrospect, I, yeah, we'll see. We'll come to that. But I, it, it, it was a very easy cartridge to load because it, there were so many people loading for it that you just had an easy reference point to go. Everybody keeps saying 40 to 42. And if it doesn't shoot around there, then something's probably wrong with the gun. So What, what brass were you using at that point? Hornady. Okay. Yep. And then, uh, so from there, I switched over to, I shot my first, like, four or five matches with Hornady brass and ELDMs. And it was, I forget which, I th- it was, I think, Collis? Yeah, it was Collis, my second pro match. I mean, I remember feeling like I was shooting really well, but then just... If I'm being honest, just missing targets from prone, and I remember there was a stage up on like where where you shot the plate rack at the uh, AG Cup, that far right pavilion. Yeah, there was a stage where we were shooting off of, I think prone at a plate in the back, or something similar. And I was to say I was left and right and high and low was an understatement. I mean, I think I shotgunned and had one impact or two impacts. And I remember going, I'm not changing anything, and it is missing by 10 inches, 12 inches left, then 10 inches, 12 inches right, and it's all around the target. Now, wait a minute. This was 2019. 2019, yep. And you think that you were sending those rounds, like, perfectly every single one of them? <laughs> I wasn't making a 20-something-inch group at 700 yards. Okay, okay. So Fair enough. I don't feel like I was, you know, making a really bad trigger press and... It just is, that was just one stage that really sticks out in my mind that caused me to really wonder what was going on. Like, why was I missing so many targets so frequently? Uh, specifically that stage. And I remember that going, that's an odd thing to have had happen. I just found, like, I looked at my hit percentages and found I hammered inside of 600 yards and not so much after 700 yards. Well, I've, heard that, I've heard that about those particular projectiles, so I'm not trying to... No, the, dwell on that and then bash on any one particular no, and it company. was it was just a it was a unique one that made me evaluate what what I was really chasing. Those those things shot. I mean, subhort. So this is where I'm going with this. It it led me to experiment with a different projectile in the same gun. So I took uh, 140 hybrids then and put them in the same cartridge. You know, did a load development test and put both of them side by side with. A load with 140s and a load with 140 ELDMs, 140 hybrids, 140 ELDMs. And I shot them at 100, 300, 600, 900, and 1,056, whatever the longest we can get at MTC. And I shot the shorter stuff on paper, and the ELDMs were grouping like half to sub-half. The 140s were like three-quarter, about literally 0.7s or a little over. Uh, At 300, the ELDMs were closer to like... 0.5 or a little over 0.5 and the others were the hybrids were around 0.7 by 600 yards the eldms were closer to 0.7 just a little better but the hybrids were just over 0.7 to 0.8 and at 900 yards there were eldms were a little over one to one and a quarter one and a half moa and the hybrids were just under one moa at a thousand 
I ended I up firing. Uh, there were there was it was an angular divergence that they were consistently getting bigger as I went past you know further and further. So it started at sub half and ended at over one and a half. When I went to a thousand yards, I did a back to back test. I wasn't trying to dope for wind. I essentially call it rapid fired, bang, 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 and just counted impacts on an ipsit. Uh, then I used the same hold and would just basically note where they were hitting and where they were hitting on you know target or in dirt. My dispersion, my it was about a two MOA group with the ELDMs, uh, which missed off the left and off the right and bottom of the ipsic and head of the ipsic. And I went, I think, one or two for ten at, out of, of five of the the Hornadies and then or five of the ELDMs, five of the burgers, uh, the 140 hybrids, and then I flipped it after about 10 minutes, 20 minutes of waiting just so I could get the wind to do something else. I then went burgers, Hornadies, and in flipping them, uh, I went nine for 10 with the burgers and like one or two for 10 with the Hornadies. And it wasn't, it's not that it's a bad bullet. In fact, a lot just prior to that shot really, really well. In fact, much better than that. And um, I remember at some point way earlier in my career, before I was even super competitive, I not competing, like literally just shooting on my own. I had some a lot of projectiles that went from they were shooting half half inch groups consistently and very regularly in the half range, and then all of a sudden, literally like you know you'd buy in, and then I was buying boxes of like hundreds by like two or three boxes, so yeah. three hundred at a time, two hundred at a time. <laughs> I switched to a different lot, and they were one in some change, same yeah. bullet, same everything, same box. You can't tell them apart. And then I happened to have a, another box that I scrummaged and found for my old one. Shot those side by side. That one lot was half or sub half. The other lot was one and some change. Called Hornaday, wow. and they said, "Yeah, we we you know they happened to just have like some data, or they gave me some data on the um, on like how it had shot." And I mean, it passed their test. It just it wasn't shooting in my gun, and yeah. don't know why. So long story short, all of that development meant that I'm like, why I've been. I've assumed that this thing was shooting exactly like it should. It was hammering, and then all of a sudden, I can't do what I need at distance. I made a switch to 140s, and I think I placed fourth in the very next match I shot in my preferred second or fourth, third pro match or second pro match. I forget which. Third. Well, I think a lot of people can relate to this experience, especially with the component <laughs> shortages we have right now, where they're trying different bullets that they don't necessarily want to be shooting, but they're available. Um, I consider myself very fortunate into having relationships and, and resources that I can uh, that I can use to try to get exactly what I want. And I'm the type of person that I buy stuff way in advance, even before the shortages started, because I feel like I just don't want to have to be spending my time searching on the internet or you know driving and stopping at different shops and, and gun shops to try to figure out how to make you know make ends meet so to speak for yeah. what i actually want i don't want to compromise in that and you know me and I, some people out there might as well but we'll, we'll you know come back to that but i don't like to change if i don't have to and i want to be in control of that and i want to make my own decisions and and when what components i shoot and full disclosure uh, you and i are both on team vitivori yep and we have access to uh, lopula brass bit of vitivori powder and burger bullets yep and, um, you know, we still have to, you know, wait in line for production to happen and stuff like that. But um, we, we prefer the burger bullets ahead of that or before we even got access to that. And uh, I'm super thankful for, for NAMO and, and Capstone for reaching out and, and making that a reality for us. Uh, it's something we don't have to worry about. And that's not something everybody 
you know, can do, but I, no. I, I love their products. They are awesome. I mean, it took, I shot, I, I would argue my, so my first season prior to switching to burger, I had, and this is again, two and a half years ago, three years ago, I had probably sent somewhere in the neighborhood of 30, 40,000 or more, you know, Hornady bullets. And yeah. they were, and they still, I have, I mean, I still have them That's in what my I house. Like with. I, I shot Hornady's. They, for me, they were the most cost effective precision ammo or precision projectile you could get. Like it, dollars and precision for per penny. They are honestly very good for in general precision. Um, but there are some times where I just found that it wasn't doing what I needed. So it, when it, let me say it a different way. When I decided that my goal was to not just shoot my best match, but to win matches and truly always win. And I say always win matches. We are truly always be trying hunt, to yeah. be in the hunt for a win. Yep. It was you know, one to two shots per 50 that I couldn't count on being not me. It was every something else. single and point we matters. Need every, now, I yeah. mean, we've talked about this quarter ad nauseum. Points. We are talking quarter points per stage. So yeah. over the course of a 10-day, like if we can, per stage, if we can net one to two points by some change over the course of one day, we have made a massive improvement in our average score because that means we're four points on the weekend. We're chasing things that if I can make a, a grip change that I can net a tenth of a point, one one point per day as a result of just a grip change uh, or a hand yeah. placement or a bag placement or a fill or a treatment, it's a competitive advantage. Yep. You know, my first year, my first couple matches, it was, it was not. I would even argue my entire first season, it was not an advantage mm-hmm. to go with anything that was that micro-sected into small details. Yeah, but, you're just not ready to eke out no, those small details. Correct. Yeah. There's so yeah. many other variables that are adding you know, lost and dropped points. And this is, I think, coming back full circle to the reloading process. You know, my process, you talked about ladder tests and Saturday tests. And my process, I started, I've done audit ladders. I've done modified audit ladders. I've done Saturday tests. I've done this traditional OCW group testing. Um, modified OCW, like, audit com- combinations at 400 yards where, you know, to, to kind of clarify what I mean by that, OCW testing, you'll take optimal robin, charge weight. optimal charge weight. You'll take multiple charges and you'll shoot to a same to a similar point of impact you know you make rows and you shoot at a point of impact with charge one you move to you add the second charge you move point of impact to dot two dot three and you keep changing your your point of impact your point of aim shooting groups to different charge weights on a different dot like you normally would but you're not looking for a small group you're looking for where the group centers are and i like that philosophy yeah the problem i have with it is you and I both know that the more rounds you shoot, the more the larger your group becomes. So how can you use one well, shot to determine anything? You cannot you use. Can't. You use yeah. multiple. You use five to seven shots, like or Don't three care. to five not shots. Enough. But it's not group size. It's simply you're you're looking for a consistent point of impact. And it, you know the OCW theory was that you could have the barrel hitting low, and then it goes up high, and then it goes back down low, and then high or it follows a pattern, and then you're looking for where the pattern over three or four charges is the same. Yeah. It hits in the same spot, and then you load in the middle of them or near there so that you have the most well-rounded charge. And So 100%. that was for a charge weight. Then you could do the same thing for a seating depth. Yep. And you can do the same thing for, a, like, say, a primer or a powder or multiple powders or different bullets. Like, you know, the number of... This is where I, re- I remember this is bringing back really bad traumatic memories of <laughs> everything I had to do during my first couple of years learning how to hand load. I remember the overwhelming 
there are a hundred bullets. There are 50 different powders. What about all the primers, let alone the brass? Not only brass, but how, you how do it. I prep yeah. it? Like, there's an infinite combination. Oh my gosh, how am I going to find a load that works? And then you slowly whittle it down to, well, the internet says this, and this guy says that. This guy knows what he's talking about, and he shoots this. You create this little filtering list system that creates, here's 10 options I should try. You buy a couple of bullets, you buy some brass, and now it's... I'm officially <laughs> overwhelmed. I, I And I'm not even, like, through. That was, like, the first day. Yeah. It was bad. So... You know, OCWs and audets and all the things we used to do, chasing groups, um, you know, flash forward. I now, and I'm going to explain my process. Don't give it all away yet. I'm not ready. Okay. Well, then <laughs> I will explain from there. I slowly realized that by simply buying the best components I could afford, and this is not to say God bless any America. one. You went there. Any one uh, <laughs> component is better, but I upgraded from a, to a projectile that was more consistent. Oh, yeah. Like, for instance, um, you know, 140 ELDMs versus the 110 A-tips. The 110 A-tips are the more premium product. Yeah, They make them more consistently. They make them better. Um, you know, from, from everything I've seen, those have won a ton of matches, but I haven't seen a lot of people winning with the ELDMs, for instance, at the same level that guys using the A-tips are. So, hmm. whether that's a product of a shooter or the characteristics, I don't know. But from, say, manufacturer line to line it seems like people are having better success with the a-tips for instance again at the extremely high levels of competition this is not you know on average i think on average well i think i can go out on a limb and say and and this is nothing to bash any particular product that's not what we're here for no i don't i I don't know of any ldm that's won a a pro match i can't think of the last couple years so uh they were definitely an advancement in what what we had at the time but uh, once I found the burgers, um, I'm a, I'm, you know, an engineer. And the, the running joke is that engineers, like the quote that they say is like, I'm an engineer, right? <laughs> so, so I say that just, uh, just in jest. But um, yeah. I have a hard time believing how you can make a three-piece bullet uh, as more. As consistently as a two-piece. Exactly. So whether it's a plastic tip, aluminum tip, whatever it may be, um, this is just my, you know, pessimistic uh, skeptical mind saying, "I just don't, I don't see how that possi- that's possible." Well, and and it doesn't mean that the the that the three piece bullets are wrong. It just means no. that I'm going to lean towards a bullet that is simpler to reduce my chances but, of failure. And this is just simple, you know, like engineering or even production 101, right? If if you're using a product that has this, the fewer the moving parts, the fewer the complex processes that it has to go through. Yeah. The more consistent it'll be. Yep. Or so, the more potential for consistency you have. It's not that it will be more consistent. There's a, Obviously, there's a dozen examples of two-piece bullets that are less than ideal. Yeah, so I'm not surprised that this conversation has gone down this path because it, it is the foundation, uh, in my opinion, for, uh, for an easy load development process. And it is an easy recipe for success. So... Yeah. I, I've heard Cortina talk about it before, and honestly, when he talked about it, I was like, "This is nothing new to me," because I know he's been shooting way longer than I have, and has you know way more records and more wins than than we have combined. But I, I was not surprised to hear his his philosophy on this. Like, you grab it out of the blue box, you put it, you know, powder in it, and you put a yellow box bullet on top of it. You know, and I heard him say that. And that's not the only way. You know, I, I know you use Alpha Brass 
right now. Yep. And I'm, I'm using Lapua at this time. They're both great um, products. They're, they're both awesome. So I guess the, the moral of the story here is um, use quality components the best you can get your hands on that you, uh, from people and, and experiences that you can trust. And then um, now we're going to get into the meat, meat and potatoes of this yeah, conversation. And, and to make sure, I want to circle back on one really important point. If tomorrow I was not able to shoot burgers for some reason, I would not hesitate for a second to go win a match with any product that I could get my hands on, including yeah. Hornady, yeah. including Nosler. Like I would, it's it's micro points. So that's a, actually a very good point, and that that is an awesome segue into um, how simple our load development yes. process is. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you describe yours, and then because I haven't, I, we don't talk about this because I don't care. <laughs> yeah. To be quite honest, what your process is, and I think most of our most of our um, thoughts on this pro- uh, the process or this topic align pretty well because we understand um, physics and, and the science of what's going on behind the scenes and how many variables there are. So I guess just what is your starting point? And let's assume let's first assume it's a caliber you've shot before, so you have some type of a you have some type of a um, an idea of where you want to be, but you definitely need to do some some checking. So I'm, I have to do the, the thirty well the thirty second version of what I used to do in, in literal nuts and bolts. Okay. Followed by what I do now because I think it'll help people understand that they're not. It's not wrong for them to do what they're doing now if they're already doing it, but that it doesn't necessarily. Requ- it's not a requirement that you do those things when they hear both because they're probably going to cover probably going to have done most of the things that people do regularly so uh in the past i would always take say a caliber that i was somewhat familiar with and or had shot a barrel do a speed test with my expected case bullet powder primer check for speed in you know two tenths increments all the way up to where i held pressure one shot each once i had max pressure i would back down say about half a grain and I would load a full grain to a grain and a half under that in three-shot groups to four-shot groups. I would shoot all of those in two, two tenths increments. I would shoot all of those for three shots or four shots. Okay. And, and round robin at some distance, say three or four hundred yards, and try to find the smallest group where they all kind of bunched up like an Audette or a modified what you know, does, OCW. Uh, just so everybody's clear, what does round robin mean? It means you shoot one round at charge one, one round at charge two, one round at charge three, and so on and so forth. I would do it on calm days, mm-hmm. so I had to pick which day I could shoot because you can't can't always do this. You could only so you're not do shooting all days. of charge one at no. once and then all of charge two. Okay, no, so we're clear. We were now. trying to spread the shots out with the barrel heat and all this other yep. stuff. Finding okay. the most. Then you'd take that. Once you had a charge weight that worked, I would. Uh, and a, you know the primers are. I'm assuming I'm using the same primer because that's what I bought. What What are you considering, quote unquote, a charge weight that works? Uh, I'm looking for a charge weight that has two or three groups that in this case this is way back when i first started okay two or three of the smallest groups next to each other that's how i chased it they we're not talking about small, velocity yet? small not even we're not even there yet it's went okay. back and i didn't even care what the velocity was because Roger. i had already set that by my max pressure was blank i backed off a half a grain everything below that was fair game okay so if i went down you know a grain and a half at two tense intervals if the closer I could get to the front of that line, great. If they were wibbly-wobbly, I would go right up to, to half-grain less. I'm like, oh, it's not bad. And then I would choose the like best charge area and load on either side one-tenth. So charge minus a tenth plus a tenth. And then I would do a confirmation of those with five to ten shots at each charge. And then I would start playing with seating depth. And I would do five to ten shots at five or ten different seating depths. And so, I mean, 
all so, is said and done, we're talking like 50, like 50 initial rounds, plus another 20 to 30 rounds for confirmation, plus another 20 to 50 rounds for like your actual charges around your seating interval, but then a seating depth test at the one you've selected for its charge weight. So I would be 150 to 200 rounds deep. Holy shnikes. Okay, this so... This is when I started. So Just, I, was, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> That's just fascinating. clarify that. Whew. So, um... So I was going to get to the question of like how many rounds, but um, just so that we're eliminating, you're eating more ice cream, aren't you? I'm just putting the spoon away so it doesn't leak everywhere. Okay. Uh, So, so, so that process you're just describing, you're saying 150 to 200 rounds, um, just so that we've, you know, crossed this off the list so that we don't have to come back and talk to it. After how many rounds would you start this process? Consider, considering break-in, like where would you even start to consider this process like the uh, valid starting point 20 to 20 to 50 at the most so you would run 50 rounds down your barrel max at the most and then you would start this 200 rounds i was a shoot, arduous shoot process. clean shoot clean shoot clean for 10 to 20 rounds every round every round god shoot bless clean america for 20 rounds okay we'll I have to talk about barrel twice. break in next time oh god I, it, oh geez the, <laughs> the things that i've learned and haven't learned and i still don't know but okay that's um, a good point it was all of that and then that let me so this was like a two to three month process when I first started shooting. Roger that. I get it. Uh, trust me, well, I get it. So I was very ignorant to, and I'll just, we're both going to talk about what we used to do. So are you done? Oh, yeah. That's, okay. That's a good start for where we're done. Except, okay. Yeah, so I'll, now I'll say what I used to do. Um, and this is the God's honest truth, if he's listening, um, he or she. I uh, I just <laughs> I just would take what Swanee told me to put in. He the, or she? Yeah, he or she. Haven't you seen Dogma? Dogma. Alanis Morissette is God in Dogma. I did not know that. Oh my gosh, you got to see that Wait, movie. Wait, is awesome. that the one with the Bow and Silent, Jay and Silent Bob? Yes, it's. it's I think it's, I've it's seen a it. Kevin Smith movie. It's awesome. Anyway, we go back and watch it. It's a great movie. Um, I don't know if it's you know sacrilege or I, I, I don't know what I think people I that, that are. Movie. Yeah. So, uh, good movie. Sidebar. Um, but the um, what I was gonna say is I would just do what Swanee told me to do, and and he said thirty-seven to thirty-seven point two, and I just shot that. Now I did. Now I did go and I didn't um, have a Swanee. Yeah, <laughs> I was lucky. Um, so I and he had all all sorts of resources at his disposal. Um, but I did go back because I, you know, my engineering mind said, "Well, why?" My my, my question is always, "Why? Why? Why?" Because I need to understand it so that I can make sense of it and rationalize it and and it sinks in much better if i understand why so i did try a saturday test from you know 36.5 to 38 just to see if you know it was in the range and i would get what i would consider some type of a plateau around that 37 to 30 uh 7.4 grains so i'm like okay this is fine i'll just stick with this and started at 20 thou off um i probably shot no joke like you said 50 rounds and then I settled on that charge weight, and that's what I ran. I just ran it. Never checked my seating depth after that and just ran it. And then my second rifle was a 6x47 getting into the 6 millimeters, and I thought, oh, man, like, I'm pretty cool now. I'm going to do this for myself and figure it out Um, because I'm pretty sure Swanee told me not to do a 6x47, and I did anyway. Um, So... Then I started on my own, and I, you know, I did the OCW, I did the um, Saturday Velocity, and all this stuff, and I still ended up picking a charge that um, was 300, probably 300 rounds in, picking a charge that I really, I didn't have a lot of confidence in. You know, <laughs> just I know that feeling. I didn't really know what it, what it was or what it was going to do, and it shot okay one day, and the next day it didn't. 
Um, looking back on it now, uh, I wasn't, I didn't have a plan. Number one, number two, I wasn't as as good of a shooter, and and probably my groups were impacted by my fundamentals at that point. So yeah. um, let's just draw a line in the sand and say that's what we used to do. Um, what do you do now? <laughs> what are you eating now? High chews. High chews. Oh, those are great. They I haven't are had those one. in years. You're gonna eat one. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I can't eat that. I'm watch your, My just, head will explode. Your head will bang off the walls in here. <laughs> um, now, all right. So now, new brass, new case, new bullets. Uh, virgin brass. Virgin brass okay. dasher. So thirty between thirty point six and thirty one point six and one fifty one hundred nine LRHT. Whatever primer I've got doesn't really matter. Uh, I'm now six barrels deep on that same charge, and unless I cross twenty nine hundred feet a second, I don't change it. Yeah, but how do you settle on? You said thirty point six to thirty one point six. Yeah, so like, how do how I do get you, to that? No, how I, do you no, how do you settle on a specific charge? I don't. I just said, is it too fast or is it too slow? Like, did it literally? This actually good example. This last match so at war, I had a, or not last match, but a couple was it a month ago, month and some change ago. Um, I had a barrel speed up significantly. No idea why. Just did. Yeah. Um, I had to back the charge off to thirty point four instead of thirty one point six. All I did was went low enough after a really thorough cleaning that I hit 2,800 on my first shots, and I knew it would come up just a little bit after that. I want it to be 2,830 to 2,860 after 40, 50 rounds and stay in that range. That is, to say that is as in-depth as I go would be an understatement. I, I simply don't want my dashers to run over 2,900, so I give myself a safety margin of 50 feet a second. I want them to be in the 2,850 range plus or minus a little bit, for an average barrel. And whatever the charge is that gets after 200 rounds, they don't even I don't even bother doing a thing with the gun, the charges, or anything close to that until I get past 200 rounds. I chrono all of the first 200 rounds just because I use them for practice and positional or modified prone, shooting groups and just working on things to improve my, my fundamentals. Man, you must be using anything. good components and have a good gunsmith or something. Uh, this gunsmith is pretty new. He has he has a one of those what is it a hand lathe where you you twist yeah. it with one hand and yeah yeah yeah. yeah. So Chad spins all my barrels. He obviously does a great job. So um, I like the fact that you're not fretting about it, and I'm in the same I'm in the same boat. So you shoot straight taper. I know that um, one yep. and a quarter straight taper barrels. No taper. Do you think that no has taper no taper? Do you think that that's like uh, saying like freezer burn or something? It's one of those like um, those oxymoron so yeah um do you feel like the straight taper is giving you some level of forgiveness in that realm of you know allowing your barrel to be happy at just about any state or Not you just really, okay but i can't say that because it's been a while since i've run anything but a straight contour barrel right um i had one non-straight contour dasher and i just said hey this you know this is i go through enough barrels why do i care if it's contoured yeah. <laughs> so just Jeff, what do you got? Like, can you just make them straight? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Easy. And that's yep. what I would do. I mean, it, it's so much easier just to not have to worry about a contour, and it's less work for the machinists and for Bartlin and for any any company. Like, they, they still, still have to turn it, it but yeah, it's not the same thing as like sitting there and getting the right number. I don't have to worry about. It. I just go, man. I need it straight. I need the bore at this this long. Done. Yeah, I don't even know what their blanks. Um they start at maybe one one inch 30 or one inch 300 i mean 
So yeah. they're probably skimming like twenty, thirty thousandths off to get it to that Just one to and a quarter profile. Yep. Get to the centers and then spin it. Okay. Um, so now I'll go for mine. Um, I want to point out a few bullet points, and you, you seem to be far more relaxed at this. And I am uh, super proud of you for being at this point in your precision rifle career because I feel like you used to be the exact opposite. I was I still feel very like much, yeah. I, I still feel like you stress over so little things in, in your groups. And, I do want to okay. go, so I'll go over this once we get through like what you do. There okay. are things, I don't want to make it sound like I'm not meticulous about what I do. I'm, I feel like I'm getting meticulous in the right ways now. Before, yeah, you're more you're more realistic and practical and pragmatic oh, yeah. about what the capability of, of a rifle system and, and yeah, what your definitely. barrel and bullet combination is capable of. Yeah. Okay. But we'll come back to that. After you do yours, I'll, I'll kind of walk how... Because it's one thing to develop. It's another thing to analyze and where should you focus your time. What is it, What is exactly you should be analyzing from your groups, from your loads that yeah. makes any reasonable sense? Yeah. So that's, that's where mine, my big change was there. So... You so yours. I test like I don't test fine granular um, increments. I test large, large um, changes, and I just want to start by saying that I see some people shooting at targets that are unacceptable in my opinion. Um, they start with black dots that are hand drawn, or um, you know, orange one dots, inch, one inch black hole centers, one inch black yeah. hole centers, ha- even a half inch black hole center, honestly, is just too, too is, is unacceptable. Um, so you need a very, very fine aiming point. I mean, you remember the movie, um, what was that movie? The Patriot or something, aim a small, miss small concept, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So th- that is a real thing. Like you need to hone in on a very, very, very fine aiming point. If you want to measure the precision of, the rifle plus the shooter plus the ammunition. And that's what we're trying to do here is figure out what the capability of, of the system is. So I don't want to dwell on this point for too much longer, but I'm just t- saying that if you do not have a f- aiming point that is finer than your crosshairs, then you're doing it wrong. And yep. I don't say that very often. I don't. I, there's a lot of ways to do things, but make sure that your target is small. Um, there's yeah. a lot of ways to accomplish that. There's the two. One, the one I prefer, the one that I've preferred the most over the last year... Uh, I'm testing something else out right now, but um, square targets. Yep. Perfect squares. Just print perfect squares. Aim at the corner. Yep. The Do cr- not aim at the center of a circle. Exactly. I know the, the human mind is really good at centering circles on circles. So if you had two, con- if your reticle would happen to be a perfect circle and you have another circle, we are really good at co-witnessing those to make them perfectly circular. It's just that's a tendency we have. Yeah, but once you but start shooting, once then you got holes. Now you have <laughs> other things affecting it. So yeah. the one thing I was going to say is squares, the corners of squares always use the same. So the top left corner, top bottom right, top left, doesn't matter. Mine's Whatever you choose, left. choose a square um, and make it small because you don't want to have a big square and feel like you can move around and it's still... make a Use a quarter inch square and aim at the bottom left corner. Also, do not set your zero on your zero. Dial up half a mil dial up a quarter of a mil something enough to put no matter what all of your shots well away from your point of aim so that you have a perfect refined aim point all the time yeah you don't want to shoot away your aim point if you're yeah. trying to that's measure not a, the that's precision a zero check yep zero check's fine but we're not trying mm-hmm. to do that here no, we're, we're trying to see what the so. precision is so yep. so let's just agree that we are going to use small and super fine aiming points and we're not going to shoot away the aiming point for the for, for the Correct. following rounds um, so the next thing I do is pick uh, 
pick my best guess at what my actual charge, final charge weight is going to be, and I'm going to load uh, two tenths and four tenths below that, and two tenths and four tenths above that. So I've got five total uh, charge weights, and I'm going to load five rounds at each. So that's yeah, 25 rounds total. Um, and I'm going to say that this is after 100 rounds shot through my rifle. I will. Um, and we'll those 100 rounds are just random charge or low charge for your barrel. Just they're whatever I shot and have left over. Yep. And if know. it was a new barrel, you'd just go. Well, there was pressure there. Back off a grain. Back off two grains. Something significant just to shoot rounds through the barrel. Yep. Yeah. Let's say it's a brand new barrel. And it, you don't have any experience with the cartridge because that's something that your first one you don't know. Yeah. I personally went half a grain to start and then would start doing all this low development wee woo stuff. Not worth it. Take whatever, if you find pressure, you need to know that limit with your gun and your barrel. Back off two grains. Yeah. Back off even three grains, honestly, from that point. Because our cartridges, our brass, are they're extremely strong. In fact, I mean, anybody who's watched online and seen Alpha's demonstrations, like they can get ludicrous too speeds much, too much. out of a dasher yeah. and other things. And it doesn't, it doesn't feel heavy on the bolt lift, one of the classic signs you're looking for. Yeah. It's, but it still can be over pressure. So, so we started this premise, though, based on a cartridge that we had shot before. Yep. So I'm going to carry down that path first, and then we'll go down to one that we've never shot before. Sure. Um, so so I'm starting with my known, my, my best guess, and I'm going to go two tenths, four tenths down, two tenths, four tenths up. So I've got five data points, and I will load up five rounds. And I'm going to sh- I'm going to put a horizontal line with five targets. Those five targets can be vertical lines and make a grid, or they can be five individual squares. I'm pretty used to using half inch stickers that are squares and they but they all need to be on that line and yep and i'm telling you this because so you um, have a, a hor- you have a, a vertical reference a horizontal it's, reference well I a ver- an a elevation vert- yeah, yeah. yeah you have a reference for elevation from every single group yep but it runs you know it's all on the same axis yep. to every single aiming point yep so then i uh, i shoot all five of those and i don't do round robin i think round robin is a good idea i'm not discrediting it i just uh i haven't been doing that lately uh, I will they shoot one really foul. Much now, I don't yeah, know. I will shoot one fouling round just to warm up and get the gases out of my um, suppressor and barrel and everything, and then I will shoot five rounds at the first square, five rounds at the second square, and so on and so forth. And when I analyze these groups, I'm also putting them across the lab radar, and it's not because I'm using that for information uh, to make my decision. It's just because why not gather that data along the way. And main thing I'm looking for on those five point uh, point of impact is what their actual average group center is and how that changes from charge to charge. What I've found is that my SD in, in our game, you know, in the sub-1,000 yard range is that um, your group size is, is more important than your SD. And with the components that we're using and the barrels and, you know, the actual um everything about the precision and and the quality of our components i i don't have sds i don't have double digit sds for any of these groups i i I don't know what your experience is but man if i get a double digit it's in the low teens like 11 12 and honestly if that group is one hole and it's 11 12 i don't care i'll I'll go shoot it yeah my my experience is the same thing if you burn around, if you're using a can, you should burn around before you start shooting. I mean, anytime you let it sit for a while, um, simply because of some, you know, potential for the first round to be slightly different. Yep. And after that, you should see similar. I see the same thing. I see twos to twos to eights is my range. 
And occasionally, if you include a cold bore, it's a, a 10 if you're shooting a 10 or a 20 shot string. Yep. If with the cold bore. Yep. And so, yeah. so I want to make sure I'm clear that I'm not just looking at group size. Uh, group size is one thing, but what I am I'm giving preference to is the migration of the group center, and I want that group center, the average group center, to not change over, um, let's say, four tenths of a grain of powder. So, minus two, plus two, of what. Um, of what that point of impact is. And what that just means is if I have an extra kernel or two or if the temperature comes up 10, 20, 30 degrees, like the barrel is still going to be happy. And usually nine times out of 10, that is already the best group. That's already the best SD. And um, if it's not, then I'll adjust seating depth. But I, I've been leaving my seating depth at that 50, 60 thousandths from the start and just letting it ride. Um, and that's worked for me. Uh, the 105 Burger hybrids are the bullets that I use. I know you use the 109 hybrids, and yep. I've had great experiences with both. I just I'm a very you know resistant to change, and like I said, I've always used the 105s. Why not just stick with it? If you look at them both on the Kestrel at you know thousand yards in a you know five to ten mile an hour wind, you're not going to have much wind difference in those. So. Uh, get what you can get. If you guys see 105s or 109s pop up, I would grab either one of those. I'd be 100% confident to shoot In the words one. of Jim Cramer, buy, buy, buy. Buy now, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying stockpile and steal them and hoard them away from everyone, but you do what you got to do because, no, man, you don't, yeah, you don't need to be searching for components when you should be training. No, in my opinion, if you shoot one days, you should just buy a 1,000 bullets and be done. Yep. Like if, if you, for a season, a minimum of 1,000, if you see 2,000, go ahead. That'll get you through a season or more. Yeah, right? You might be able to help out your buddy. Um, yeah. If you're a two-day shooter and you shoot more than five matches, you're probably looking at the three to 5,000 range for five five matches. I know that sounds like a lot. Five matches is only uh, approximately 1,500 rounds, right? If you 300 rounds a match for five matches, and I would say people would say that's anybody who shoots a lot, that's actually kind of low. I mean, I've shot 300 rounds prepping for this match that we're going to this weekend in order to shoot 300 rounds. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not at all excessive. Um, but that said, it's a little bit outside of what we were trying to get to today. Um, you know, back to some of the things that I do in my process that I don't do anymore. I don't chase seating depths anymore. Uh, I can't remember the last time I changed it. I tried a seating depth test. I couldn't tell any difference. Just leave it alone. And I was I tried 2.4. Uh, so 20 thousands, we change reamers, but usually 20, 30, 40, 50 thousands, 90 thousands, 100 thousands, 120 thousands. I've shot them all, and I don't, I cannot physically see a difference with enough rounds on target. Yeah, the, um, so just to recap on this, the charge weights, I am looking for, like I said, the um, group centers to not change over five tenths of a uh, grain of powder. And then if I do want to do a seating depth, I will test, I will do the same thing. I will check and see if there's any migration in my group center and um you know i'm shooting a, a new caliber this weekend a new barrel got 225 rounds on this barrel so, six br and i have not shot this rifle past 100 uh, 100 yards and what i noticed is you know once i got past 40 thousandths my group center didn't change so i i set it at 50 60 thousandths so i'm just going to let it run until the barrel is done just yep. i tested all the way out to 150 thou jump and the from 50 to 100 150 it didn't change so i'm just gonna let it ride yep i'm at 60 i think right now yep. i mean it started or 60 or 70 and i started at 50 when the barrel is new yep. and it's somewhere around i don't know 60 ish give or take 
But um, what's so an you acceptable group size for you? Okay, so this is about <laughs> where I was going to go. I, you know, you mentioned you cha- you know, you want group centers to be the same. I don't even really bother with point of impact being the same at all because in all of the groups that I've shot, you know, with my break-in tests, and, and I say break-in test, I use my break-in rounds to just get a volume get of a fire yeah. for the for the barrel, for the rifle, and for the positions to work on fundamentals that I generally don't want to practice. I, I hate shooting prone so or modified prone. It's my least favorite style of shooting. And it, there's not a lot that I get out of it. At least I didn't think so. So I have, you know really worked on getting behind the rifle in a more prone manner to make sure I had the proper fundamentals. And I did find that breaking position, I was adding to my group size in how I was approaching the rifle, i.e. through fundamentals, through consistency, and at least in some capacity. However, I also found that doing nothing, just adding shots, will also grow groups. And we know this, you know, we've talked about applied ballistics, you know, in the past, but, you know, I work there and we just in fact there's a new we have a new site the science of accuracy uh, yeah. com. yep it's the effectively where we're going to start putting all of our information you know that we collect at work you know I'm when I'm on here I'm talking about my own personal experiences not things we do at work per se uh, it's you know, they're separate yep but the you know what we're going to dive into when we talk about groups and analytics and stats and all that uh, you know a lot of that is probably better served for be, go check out their site. Go check out the Applied Ballistics site, their books. You know, Brian, uh, Mitch, myself, Chris Palka, Amanda, and all the team there, Al Barnhart, you know, all the people involved in that organization that have created a uh, literally a multitude of uh, books, multiple books worth of tests that analyze both precision, accuracy, consistency, this, this you know, statistical relevance of different things that we assume are correct. We challenged all that, and they've. I've read all those books. I was a customer before I was an employee for a long time, and it was reading through those over the last two years that I really, you know, rereading them. I went, man, I'm probably approaching this wrong. Yeah, I, you know, I'm making an assessment on a five-shot group. That's one sample. Do it again, and I ended up testing a bunch of the same charges over and over in different ways, and I kept coming up with the exact same averages. I'm like, okay, so if I shoot enough samples, I'm not getting any big difference. Which led me to go. Why am I chasing my tail with charge weights to chase, a, you know, try to statistically change? Let's say a good group. You asked me that question. A good group for me, or average group, is somewhere between 0.2 and 0.4. Yep, I agree. An uh, average group is closer to 0.4. Great group is somewhere approaching 0.2 or a little below. I will see anything from 0.2 to 0.6. Yep. From the same load, same barrels, not changing anything, just 0.2 to 0.6. Sometimes if you do higher, an, an average over, I've seen your like 200 yeah. round break-ins. Like, They're what's a realistic average for you? Barrel. And you, 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 you might get one point group four. that's 0.6 or whatever. But yeah, yeah. 0.4 is my is yeah. my was that's my average with the uh, with three or something. I think two or three, four barrels, and then uh, we've been making some changes here with the most recent chassis that we've been running, and that's been significantly yep. coming down with the new chassis design so and that's that's with some good shooting some some great components and um you know a lot of focus and, and discipline of yeah. fundamentals of marksmanship and that's that's a highly capable rifle to shoot you know you probably had some in the point one point twos 
the majority are in the point threes, and then you got some in the point fives, point sixes. You yeah, know? it was and, it was almost a perfect standard distribution from yeah. point high point ones. Uh, it was a standard deviation of point one, approximately. So you know, down to about a point one point one five, up to about a point eight. Yep, from a point four average. So and don't get point discouraged. Eight was like an extreme extreme, but most of them are up to like point six at the yeah, high side. So, so the theme here is don't get discouraged if you throw if you throw one bullet uh, outside of your group. It happens to all of us. And <laughs> I don't make my dude. If you look at some of the charges that the charge weights that I select as my um, my load to go to a match, like there might be one that's like it's like freaking. It makes the group six tenths, but the rest of the rounds are. In that you know point two point three range, yeah, and then you keep shooting and you keep shooting and you just realize that you're stacking them in that point three point four range over twenty thirty forty rounds. And you're like, okay, this is this is it, man, man. This is this is what it is. You can mess with seating depth. You can you can burn another two three hundred rounds and maybe squeak out fifty thousand smaller group. But for what we're doing, it's not that's not what we're here no. for. And the major reason for my changes were a kind of a necessity, time. I don't have the time to do what I used to do and still shoot the matches. And that's what I've really found out. This is this was, to me, the biggest epiphany of all of my testing, load development, and big changes. I spent 50 to 70% of my shooting time, or actually, no, no, I'm going to back that up. Let's see here. Closer to 90% of my shooting time prior to, say, my competitive years and in my first year working on load development tweaking and tuning loads and load development. 90% of my time. 10% was spent on actual practice and match times. Well, I think that's that's true for a lot of I people. think it is. Early on, I think that's what everybody does. Yeah. So Now, I spend maybe maybe 2 to 5% of my time on, I'm going to say, quote, load development. Load development for me nowadays is just, where are the major problems? Okay, I'm way too fast. Great. Figure out how to make it way too slow problem solved move away and go practice something else i mean uh moving from three thousand feet a second down to getting a gun to shoot 2800 feet a second that sounds easy but if your gun is really dirty or it has a lot of following my case this barrel was just shooting really fast um so i had to do everything i could to back it down into the mid 28s and it took a lot of testing to figure out what i would actually have to do to make it stay in the mid 28s that's to me, a realistic and plausible test to go, this is a real problem I have to fix. The gun was still shooting quarter-minute groups, regularly shooting like point ones, point twos, and low point threes, with a barrel that was having standard deviations in the 13s, 14s, 15s, and hitting 30, you know, almost 3,000 feet per second out of a 26-inch dasher. And that's not, I mean, that's not what I wanted. So to me, the only reason I changed anything is because there was a problem that would not allow me to get through the match. Not a precision problem. That didn't exist. Even the SDs, I wouldn't care if I was shooting a 10 or a 12 in a match. We have like five points past 800, 1,000 yards that might cost us a point if we are if we hit one of those really high SDs. Yeah, so you're talking about a relatively uncommon yes. uh, occurrence here. I think for the most part, people can rest easy knowing that they have a half-inch, you know, capable rifle and an SD if, in the 10 range. I if think you have a rifle... You should I'm, stop. You should I just I want to run. go even further than that and say, if you have a rifle that can shoot occasional half-inch groups and is averaging at or slightly below one MOA, there's a very good chance you can reduce that through your own yes. work. Yeah. Yep. Not through changing anything with your load, 
Not necessarily. Maybe changing ammo. The biggest thing that I noticed was, uh, and actually, I, you know, actually, I don't want to go there because you should just check out Applied Ballistics. There's a lot of really cool data there. Um, the scienceofaccuracy.com. There's going to be some really cool things you'll see there. And yeah, if you want to know what yeah. some of the, uh, con- uh, messing with some of these variables will do uh, to your precision or you know anything with group size or, or velocities and all that stuff. Like, yeah, where it's significant. Yeah, they're going through that like ad nauseum and all the details in a very easy to digest fashion and um you know it's cheap and it's fun and uh yeah we're happy to be even considered to be a part of it so so check that out Um, so here would be my suggestion for shooters who are wondering well what matters then one you need to have a rifle that has speed or that is water safe so pressure safe below a threshold that is say substantially far away from a overpressure type feel heavy bolt lifts sticky extraction smearing primers flattening primers puncturing primers like you don't want that to be in the in the same universe no one to two minimum one probably two Two. grains below that yeah so that's the first and foremost thing you need to if you have accomplished that you're 80% of the way there you find your seating depth I would personally say I think 60 to 80 thousandths in PRS is probably a really good place to start. In fact, there's been some really good articles. Uh, you know, SAC, um, Mark Gordon did a really cool test way back, uh, I think two, three, four years ago, that was about jump and, you know, whether or not we are truly in the best spot by chasing jumps in the 20, you know, 10, 20 thousands range. And his the results of his data were that over longer ranges, it actually made more sense to be like 60 to 100 thousandths was a more consistent. It didn't produce the smallest groups. It produced a consistent group across a wider range of seating depths. Yeah, and we're talking about a weekend worth of 250 rounds, so it's yeah. not a bench rest type scenario. So yeah, consistency is key and predictability is, is what we need. And that, what Chad just said, is to me the most important word that sums up PRS. Consistency and predictability. If it's consistent and it's predictable, you can make impact because you can make a change and know that that change will persist. It's when it's not predictable and it's not consistent that you're going to fight it. And I don't mean by consistent that you're shooting quarter MOA groups. If it's consistently shooting a one one MOA group and you have a two MOA target at 400 yards, well, by George, you're probably not missing due to the gun. Yeah. You're, if you're consistently sub or right at one MOA and you don't go over one MOA and you have a double that for target at 400 yards, like PRS skill stage, you're likely missing due to NPA, bad truing data, or a bad wind call. Trigger press. all of the above. Yeah. And so all the stuff. You, it's not the rifle at that point. And that's where it becomes so difficult for shooters, and including myself. This isn't me agnostic, you know, advocating myself from having made these mistakes. I made these mistakes for years. You, the the differential if you and Brian has said this to me over and over when we just happened to be you know hanging out and doing stuff at the lab and he mentioned one of the first thing the first weeks I had started he's like you know how far, much further I'd be ahead if I had just my I said I say it a different way his Palma career and his shooting career really took off when he started loading in bulk just loading the same load at a thousand to fifteen hundred rounds and just shooting that forget the load development process and I I started using that and. And I, I would say it's worked for me. I mean, I stopped fretting. I've now 10% of my time is spent doing things that aren't actually gaining me points. Well, the good thing is, is if you need your ammo from like two or three matches ago to go and win a big match, like, like it's a, all like the same. H, like, you mean like if, if a dude, <laughs> let me just, like hypothetically, 
if if a guy went to a match where you could win 30 to 50 grand and you happen to use like f- a box of ammo that was from four different or five different matches and they were all color-coded different stuff loaded at yeah. different times yep it could still work out yeah, for you, you could make as it long work, as you never change anything yep yeah all right man so that's that's pretty much all i want to say about load development i mean just keep it simple man i, I don't fret over it work more on you know your fundamentals and we haven't even got to talk about the fundamentals of marksmanship yet but no. it's it's huge and i'm super super passionate about it so i'm sure we will and we might have to break it up into like five six seven eight different episodes if we if we need to but that's all i wanted to say you got anything else um no i'm sure there's some more stuff we could talk about that's not so much load development but more what's in, like what's what, what exactly is important right what criteria are important but we can break that up into other things of how to hit more targets yeah so. Yeah, I just kind of, I mean, I feel like this episode went crazy longer yeah. than I expected. It's 105 or 60, 65, 65 minutes. minutes right now. So yeah. um, hopefully you guys got something out of that and, and you realize that, you know, it's not it's not that crazy, not that difficult. And you guys can get out and have some more fun and not I'm fret about your load. I'm going to challenge you on your whole plus two, minus two, minus two, minus two because of the point of impact. Okay. But when do you want to do that challenge? Uh, I'm game whenever. It might just be my peace of mind. And, and what does know, it cost me, 25 that's, rounds? That's my I don't point. That's the, that was exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. I think it's more of a peace of mind that makes you feel good. And if it's if their confidence is worth that, then do it. Yep. I'm going to do it until we I get together again. Let's I know do you it. are. See you, dude. All right. Bye. Bye.